Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Talking Tolkien. Today we're going to be discussing chapter 6 of book 2 of The Return of the King, entitled Mini Partings. And no, we're not talking about the beautiful plates in Arwen's hair. So, as always, we are going to go over to Katie who will give us today's, uh, who will give us the elvish word of the day and sync us up with the calendar on Today in Middle-earth, then pop over to Chase for a brief reminder of what we talked about in the events covered in last week's readings. Uh, as always, we'll spend most of this week's episode talking about, once again, that's chapter six, mini partings, uh, at the end, taking some time to touch upon our favorite moments, both from this week's readings and this week of our lives. I am John. I am Katie. And I'm Chase. All right, so... Katie, uh, today is September 22nd, and uh, presumably you have both a factoid and a word or two for us. I do. So before we begin, I would like to wish everyone a happy, happy Hobbit Day. Um, Because as we all should know, today, September 22nd, is of course not only Bilbo's, but Frodo's birthday as well. Uh, So... Here we are celebrating by having an episode of our show, and also I'm celebrating by being barefoot like a hobbit. Um, so in the true hobbit tradition, um, if you recall from Concerning Hobbits, on their birthday, hobbits give gifts to other people. Yes. And these gifts are frequently small trinkets of no real use called mathems. And there is, in fact, the Matham House at Michael Delving, where the mithril coat is put on display for many years. Uh, so, uh, what Mathams feel appropriate today? I don't know. We're giving you the wisdom that comes from two years spent reading Tolkien. There we go. May not may not necessarily qualify as a Matham, as I, I feel like it has some value. Um, <laughs> but it's nonetheless a gift that we give. Uh, but yeah. That's that's today in Middle Earth, and then you know, obviously, this past week, uh, spanning all of the years that we've covered thus far, in back in the year three thousand one, uh, on the seventeenth, Bilbo's party preparations for his eleventy first were kind of getting underway. The next day, fast forward seventeen years later, Gandalf escapes Orthanc very early in the morning. And then the year after that, in 3019, the company, that is Gandalf, Elrond, and the Hobbits, are riding to Rivendell. Uh, Another couple days later, on the 21st, sink us back up to the Hobbit in the year 2941, and Bilbo and the dwarves are escaping Thranduil's caves. Um, Of course, on the 21st in, in real life, in 1937, The Hobbit was first published. Bringing us again to today, the 22nd, Bilbo was born in the Shire in the year 2890. Um, In the year 2941, Bilbo and the Barrels reach Lake Town, which uh, was a funny thing. Remember, like, Bilbo had a cold on his birthday, and he remembered it was his birthday, and he was in a barrel. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, A couple years later, the year 2968, Frodo was born in the Shire. And finally, bringing us to 3001 on the 22nd, this day, today, a long-expected party. Uh, And in 3019, flash forward even more, that's Bilbo's 129th birthday and Frodo's 51st. 
Whoa. So a lot happened. A yeah. lot of, a lot of a lot of I mean, you know, the same birthday, but you know, just remarkable things happening uh throughout the years <laughs> on those birthdays. And on my birthday when I was ten, this happened, <laughs> and my birthday when I was eleven, this happened. Yep. Could you imagine how different the books would be if instead of using um like a definitive article, it was like an under it was like a it was more vague, you know, like a hobbit. A hobbit. <laughs> a lord of some rings. But but that's the thing. Yeah, this Stop was not st- just any Hobbit. This was the Hobbit. Stop stealing <laughs> the, 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 the tiling structure for the movie episodes. <laughs> <laughs> A Lord of Some Rings? Yeah, that's basically how I've been titling them. <laughs> mm. But at any rate, that brings us to the Elvish word of the day. And... Uh, I apologize if you feel it's a cop-out, but <laughs> I chose a uh, noun that is the same in both Cinderin and Quenya, and the word is a word that we should know from hearing it in the text before, and it is perian. I know that word. I know yep. that word. <laughs> I know exactly what that word means, kind of. What does that word mean? Hobbit. It's like a hobbit, that? basically, like something so yeah. small in stature. Foreign. It means hobbit or halfling. There we go. It's also the name of a like a plugin I used to use to convert WMVs to a video game that be played natively on the Mac. Well, that's did they make intriguing. Them, was it making them smaller? I don't think so. Oh, never mind then. Uh, just one more. We could go all Cormac McCarthy, and it could be like No Lord of the Rings. Oh, I kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also book, going. Book just ends with Tommy Lee Jones stared off into the distance. I had the weirdest dream about some ring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, at any rate, I will also give you the plural, which of course you have already heard from the books. Perianath. Yep. Which meaning, of course, hobbits slash halflings. Because, again, today is Hobbit Day, so we must celebrate accordingly by uh, learning that word. I feel like the only according way to celebrate Hobbit Day is to like get really drunk and eat a whole bunch of food. More or less. Well, sadly, it's only Thursday, so I'll be doing that tomorrow. Anyway, Jace, uh, last week, what did we talk about? Uh, we went back in time a little bit from the previous chapters. So before then, we'd had the situation where basically the Fellowship did the thing they needed to do. The ring was destroyed. But then the chapter after that was detailing some of the people left at Minas Tirith, uh, specifically Eowyn and Faramir. Uh, and as they were starting to kind of rekindle a, kindle a relationship with each other, uh, they also believed the end of the world was coming and were basically preparing for that. Um, and that didn't happen. <laughs> But they still formed a relationship anyway. Uh, Aragorn, now the king, had, comes back to Minas Tirith, and they proclaim him as the king. Uh, and then some de- details about uh, pardons and gifts and judgments come about as Aragorn is now a new king. And then they also, Gandalf and Aragorn, find a tree that is remnant of the Trees that were brought there by the Numenorians in the past, and it is pulled from the ground violently and brought into Minas Tirith. No, that's not how it happened at all. But brought to Minas Tirith, and then there's a big celebration, and then Arwen, a character mm-hmm. we've not talked about since the Fellowship of the Ring, 
shows up and there's a wedding and then the chapter ends with no wonder Bilbo was looking for this. Hey, by the way, where is Bilbo anyway? Hmm. As massive well, foreshadowing. We, we uh, left last week not knowing. So. Yeah. And, and how fitting for us to read this chapter on Bilbo's birthday. Indeed. Well, spoiler alert. It turns out that Bilbo is at a south of the border in Amarillo, Texas. No. Drinking oh, wait, I'm thinking really, of the time. Really I'm Martinis thinking of the time murders. that Katie and I got like really cheap Mexican food after seeing Cadillac Ranch. Yeah, that's my that mistake. Was, that was my a mistake. Different story. They're Hell basically identical in my mind. Uh, as everyone knows, the the age relationship between Katie and I is that of Bilbo and Frodo. <laughs> of course, because yes, I am clearly three times your age. <laughs> Nearly. Just my wisdom. <laughs> so here uh, we are. Um, yes. Yeah. Last last week, a lot of stuff happened. It was kind of small and episodic, you know. But at the end, it was very, very heavily foreshadowed. Like, oh yes, there's a day that's coming, an event, and uh, Aragorn wants you to stick around. And oh hey, look, there's a party from Rivendell. So yeah, that's where we pick up. And anybody have any guesses what this event could be? Oh, well, I mean, the the event being the wedding? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it took place last chapter, but... Oh, you're yeah, right. Yeah, Sorry. I was about to say, like... <laughs> uh, my yeah, question this is why, myself on that one. So. This is why I like to read the chapter immediately before we record, because if I read even, like, a day before, this happens in my mind. So... Yeah. That was not well, actually a surprise. But yes, Arwen is now queen and Aragorn is king. And uh, they're giving some words to Frodo. Yeah, because, you know, basically the it's it's been a time of celebration and festivities in the city uh, for several days. And now uh, we're drawing near to the point where it's time to begin the journey home. And Aragorn, you know, in his he's always so perceptive he of course like knows this and tells frodo uh basically that he knows look i know you want to go home um and i really like the thing the thing that he says to him he says the tree grows best in the land of its sires which is just like i i love so much um these kind of uh Metaphors? Yeah, metaphors that are <laughs> well, speaking, being used. Speaking of trees growing best and also the lands of their sires, the yeah. other thing at the beginning of this paragraph is, says time has passed and the tree is growing and Queen Arwen sits by the fountain and sang a song of Valinor. Yeah, so. yeah. Yep. There's a thing. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Bilbo, I mean, Frodo was like, yeah, I, I do want to go back to the Shire, but... There's, I mean, before we do that, I really want to see Bilbo, and I was really disappointed that he wasn't with the party from Rivendell. And Arwen is like, well, I understand why you would expect him, but can you really be surprised? Like, Bilbo is super old. And mm-hmm. if you remember, Frodo, like, you, you know what the ring did to you. For, Bilbo had it for a lot longer than you did. Granted, like, Bilbo isn't tortured in the way that you were tortured, but, like, the effect on Bilbo is is wearing out because it was destroyed. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, as 
was thought and as was foretold with the destruction of of the one ring of the ruling ring uh the it's it's power not only it's power but the power of the of the three rings as well will fade the it's almost like sorry my 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 brain completely died (laughs) everybody was tied to the fate of that ring and there are some people the elves and bilbo uh it's not exactly the best thing because again we talked previously that the moment the ring would be destroyed the three rings would mean that the elves would be losing their power and have to leave yeah and it's a very it's a very bittersweet kind of thing mm-hmm. that you know we we've touched on before and we we see that unfold more in this chapter immediately now with uh Arwen uh and her gift to Frodo well so, I, I mean before before this happens Aragorn says I know you want to go and we'll do we'll leave in 7 days as a party mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. 3 days from now Aomer is 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 coming back to bring Theoden to Rohan to rest in peace. Uh, and we're going to join that party and we will go to Rohan together. And then afterwards we will continue with you for some of the journey. Yeah. And then this is uh, Arwen and has a, yeah. has a gift. So. so, so Arwen gives Frodo this gift, which, you know, and we've, we've, we've talked before uh, about, you know, the story of Arwen and Aragorn having similarities to that of Baron and Luthien. And, you know, Arwen basically tells Frodo that, you know, she has chosen to stay here with Aragorn the same way that Luthien chose to kind of give up her her immortality uh, to, to, to stay and uh, so Frodo, that the gift that she gives to Frodo is to go to the West in her place, which mm-hmm. is not insignificant. Not insignificant no. at all. This it's monumental. Um, that you know the the greatest gift that she could possibly give, and that could possibly be given to Frodo. So, and, I mean, Tolkien being a major Catholic, is she basically just giving Frodo an indulgence? Yeah. I, I don't I that's not a serious question. It's, it's no, I know but but I feel like you, you would have to no? you would have to explain me some Catholicism so it, that's basically isn't that isn't that basically where the Pope grants you basically gateway into heaven no matter what you do I mean kind of the idea behind yeah. an the, the idea behind an indulgence originally is that like if you did certain things you could be spared from purgation so like if you went on a pilgrimage you know if you if you climb the Scala Sancta and do a, on your knees and do a Hail Mary every single time, like you're basically supposed to be free of purgatory. If you uh, climb then, Mount Doom and destroy the ring and save the world. <laughs> you should be free of purgatory. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It was then uh, kind of corrupted when the popes just became like the Borghese family. It was like, we need money. And they would just sell that. You're like, hey, give us yeah. some gold ducats and we'll give you an indulgence. And that's why we call like an indulgence today. It's kind of like a guilty pleasure. Anyway, um, that was yeah, not serious. That's what, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, uh, but yes, Arwen does something serious, uh, very, very important and special. She compares herself to Luthien, which made me think I should retire and make guitars, change my name to Baron, and be Baron the Luthier. Ah uh, ha ha! Oh, oh! 
my stomach hurts. So she takes her white pendant off, a white gem like a star, mm-hmm. and sets it around Frodo's neck. Uh, it's much nicer than the that pendant that he used to wear, which was the uh, embodiment of evil. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, now he has a ticket to heaven instead. So well, and, and yeah, and three- a and a a token to remind him of Elfstone and Evenstar, which is all very sweet and lovely. And, you know, I, I hate to admit that I was this stupid, but literally until last episode, I didn't realize that Evenstar just meant evening star. Literally did not make that oh, connection. Oh, John. Sometimes you read these books when you're 13 <laughs> and you just like mm-hmm. embed a concept and you don't like critically re-examine it at any point in your life. Until now. That's the entire point. That's the entire point of me being on this podcast. <laughs> so anyway, in three days, as the king said, um, Aimer came with Ared, um, or an Ared. So doesn't Ao mean horse? Yes. So yeah. everyone just like horse something. So he brings knights, you know, uh, chevaliers, horse people. <laughs> and um, they have a feast in... There's a great there's a great little uh conversation here between Aomer and Gimli on uh you know the comparisons of Arwen and Galadriel and uh you know calling them evening and morning and uh and then another little like very bittersweet somber thing that Gimli says he says uh you know he's talking about the the two of them being evening and morning and um it says that, and my heart forebodes that soon it will pass away forever. Yeah. Which is, you know, exactly what we've said before about the, the you know, the elves moving on, this being the end of an era. And it's um, very bittersweet and more real. See, this is a sign that, like, 13-year-old John got really bored by the denouement. Because if I had read, like, Evening and Morning right here, I would have been like, oh... Sorry, I'm criticizing myself. Anyway. The, uh, the, 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 the thing is that's interesting here to show the reshaping of characters and stuff throughout this entire book is the fact that you have a dwarf not only praising mm-hmm. elves, and it's gonna, and there's going to be more of this later on, but also actually very sorrowful about the fact that this is all ending. Yes. Um, I don't know if... It, I mean, that's something that kept I kept in mind is the fact that after the events of the Hobbit and other things in the Silmarillion, the, the dwarves being a dwarf being so like, I don't want to see them go is very and interesting and has a lot of significant. Weight behind it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so they then leave Minas Tirith as a party and it's, it's a, a great and fair company. So it includes the Kings of Gondor and Rohan. Um, so they went to, the, the kind of sacred tombs where, as we recall, Thaden was laid next to the kings of Gondor and uh, retrieve his body, and they passed through the city in silence. Uh, then it says, then they laid the, uh, the beer, beer like a B-I-E-R, you know. So what do we call those? Gurney. Kind of like a, you know, it's, but it's like a... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, so they have Thaden on a golden beer. They put pass it through the city in, in a kind of a silent parade. And then it says that it was kind of carried forth by the writers of Rohan with his banner. 
And the best part says, Mary, being Theoden's Esquire, rode upon the wain and kept the arms of the king. Yeah. So. And it's at this point that I want us to notice, you know, as they're all riding out in kind of this procession in honor of the fallen uh, Theoden king, um, that we begin this retracing of our steps coming Mm -hmm. back. And um, so it's like this perfect progression of closure and we'll encounter along the way. Yes. So we have Mary bearing Theoden's arms. Then we have Aragorn and Frodo and Sam are riding beside him. uh, And Gandalf uh, upon Shadowfax, as always, said Pippin rode with the Knights of Gondor and Legolas and Gimli rode as ever upon Arid. Mm -hmm. So... Also with them, literally everybody we've ever met in these books, except for Tom Pompadour, <laughs> uh, and Boromir, I guess. Um, yeah. So in that writing went also Queen Arwen and Celeborn and Galadriel and Elrond and his sons, and the princes of Dol Amroth and of Athelion. Uh, so never had any king of the mark had such company upon the road as went with Theoden, Thingel's son, to the land of his home. So then... Yeah, so rein- reinforcing that uh that bond that now strengthened bond between uh rohan and gondor which we'll see uh a little bit later too so something really kind of interesting and brief happens uh they pass through a forest now do we remember any any forests any um Mm -hmm. deals that might have been struck regarding forests i mean there 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 have been a few true (laughs) But this particular forest, the forest of Druadan, uh, where you know A- Aragorn, Aragorn's going to do another another solid here uh, by gifting this forest to our our friend who told us about the the, the winds of change that were coming, or uh, if we remember Gonbury Gon and his people. So um, Aragorn gifts gifts him that forest and says basically, you know, no, none will enter there without uh, the people's consent. Yep. And then says from here, it was a 15 day journey to uh, Adoras. Uh, so clearly what it took three days for them to come from Adoras to this point. So clearly they're traveling at a much more leisurely pace now that, uh, you know, civilization has been saved. Yeah, there's not as much urgency. And, you know, this is, let's not forget, a funeral procession. So they're um, all using their hazard lights? No, it's much it's much more yes, somber. Yeah. They got a police escort. Uh, well, yes. they do have the guard there. Well, that's true. They do technically have police expor- ex- 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 <laughs> escort. So they get to Edoras and there's a feast at the Golden Hall. And it says it was the highest feast it had known since the day of its building. Um, so for after three days, the men of the mark prepared the funeral of Theoden, and he was laid in a house of stone with his arms and many other fair things that he had possessed. And over him was raised a great mound covered with green, ter- green turves of grass and of white evermind. Ever mind. Uh, and now there were eight mounds on the east side of the barrow field. So at this point, um, the writers... It says, the riders of the king's house upon white horses rode around the barrow and sang a song um, about, uh, of Thaden that 
Glaywine, who was the minstrel, had made. So, and then he made no other song after, so I guess the minstrel retired. I don't know. Anyway, the song, I don't know that the song is super important to go into details, but it basically just is the history of all of the different mounds and all of the different kings who have passed. Yep. And then, obviously, of, of Theoden's death and uh, how he died in splendor and kind of brought hope to the world. Uh, and then the little snippet of the song that we actually are presented, that's not just a summary thereof, is out of doubt, out of dark to the day's rising, he rode singing in the sun, sword unsheathing. Hope he rekindled and in hope ended over death, over dread, over doom lifted, out of loss, out of life, unto long glory. I think that um, out of doubt, out of dark is one of my favorite snippets from a song. Out of doubt and out of dark, and particularly because of, you know, that great charge that Theoden leads. That was such an like a huge emotional hit at that oh, point yeah. in the in the story. Yeah, yeah. That that was like the the peak for that character. Um Yeah, that was like the peak of that character for us in the storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh uh and it says Mary stood at the foot of the green mound and wept. And when the song was ended he arose and cried. Thaden King, farewell as a father you were to me for a little while. So, that's it's sad. It is. And they probably had an awesome feast in that Golden yes. Hall. Because I imagine the Rohan people know well, how to And it eat. said specifically they had a great feast because Thaden had lived to full years and ended in honor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, remember yeah. his dying words, you know, I go now to the halls of my father in whose great company I shall no longer feel ashamed. Yep. Like, Thaden was like, mm-hmm. poor Amir now has something to live up well, to, you know? Theoden's death is the ultimate example of a glorious death, which uh, is something yeah, that, yeah. you know, comes from, you know, the old epics. It's something that comes from Homer. There's, you know, always the this ideal of the glorious death of the warrior. Um, and Theoden's death exemplifies that um, to a degree that, like, no other can compare in my personal opinion. <laughs> well, and it's also, it, it just ties back to with Theoden. I, I, I really love about this book is we keep Tolkien is very good about spinning plates with all these characters because with every single character in the story, you just can say it couldn't have been done without that character. Mm-hmm. It couldn't have been done without this character. It couldn't have been done without that character. Yeah. Like, Everybody played a piece into this and everybody kind of had a glorious moment. Yes, absolutely. And that's the, that's like one of the largest points of this whole story is all of the different moving pieces and all of the different peoples coming together to, to, to do what they, what they will in the story. Cause none of it would have worked if it wasn't for everybody. Imagine else. if instead of the Olympic games, just all the peoples of the world got together every four years to defeat evil. Oh my god! Oh, because then they just call it the United that, Nations. Shh, yeah, shh, that sounds like a movie. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, at this feast, Eowyn and Eomer kind of lead a toast to, to Theoden, and then Eomer says, and, "And and then to the new king." Yes, and then to the new. Well, Eomer leads the the toast, and then kind of the response is, "Hail Eomer, king!" You know, yeah. obviously Eomer is not like, "Hail me." No. Hilariously, I, when I read this part for the first time, when I read the, and when Thanon was named, Aramir uh, drained the cup 
for some reason, I had this thought of him. I, he's drinking. He's drinking. Mm-hmm. But when I first read it, I thought he just poured the cup on the ground like he was pouring one out for King Theoden. No, they're playing beer pong. Get it? Beer like the funeral <laughs> beer? Mm. No. <laughs> no, I, ref- I, ref- I, I will not stand for this. We they, should they. We should play a game where we call where we uh, watch like a crappy horror movie with a lot of jump scares, and anytime somebody's scared, you have to take a shot, and we call it fear pong. Moving right along, after they <laughs> after they have toasted to the new king, Aomer now. Uh, things turn to a much happier occasion and as i had mentioned before we get another reinforcement of this you know renewed bond between the kingdoms of rohan and gondor with the announcement the official announcement of the engagement of eowyn and faramir yeah i mean eomer says it like there's never been such a fine assemblage of people and like so much nobility in this room and this is like the perfect moment to kind of you know mm-hmm it's, well, and actually, you could argue it's the last time because some of these people are no longer going to be mm-hmm. on this part of the world anymore. Yeah. And so yeah. Aragorn basically says, you know, it is no small sacrifice to give the loveliest thing in Rohan to Gondor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then it says, Eowyn looked in the eyes of Aragorn and she said, wish me joy, my liege lord and healer. And he answered, I have wished thee joy ever since I first saw thee. It heals my heart to see thee now in bliss. So it's a, a really kind of beautiful, I don't know, hat to the relationship that's happened between Aragorn and Eowyn. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she, basically she realizes that she doesn't need his affirmation. And in turn, he, he's happy to see her in a place where she doesn't need to be affirmed. Right. So uh, after this grand feast and um, Aragorn and uh, the Rivendell and and Lorien elves are preparing to leave, um, except, of course, Faramir and Imrahil and Arwen. um, They remain in Edoras and it says, none saw Arwen's last meeting with Elrond, her father. For they went up into the hills and there spoke long together, and bitter was their parting that should endure beyond the ends of the world. Because remember, yeah, this is like so this I, I can't help but like okay, so uh, you know, Arwen has been married to Aragorn, so in you know, in tradition of, of weddings, right, you're the father gives away the bride that kind of thing you know not that you know giving property whatever but uh but this idea of like letting you know letting go of of your children and this is like the ultimate and yeah that the text gives us the word bitter the ultimate and most bitter version of that because elrond is like literally saying goodbye to his daughter forever for eternity because also like He's going off to the West mm-hmm. to continue living, uh, and uh, she's going to she's given up her immortality. She, yeah, she she will not go into the West. Yeah. yeah, basically. So yeah, this is this this is yeah this is this is a big mm-hmm. deal. This is a really big deal. 
And then this is followed up with another uh, sort of gift giving to one of our Hobbit friends. And so Aomer and Eowyn uh, would like to give a gift to Mary, who kind of, you know, immediately will say, you know, he doesn't want anything at all. But Eowyn insists on giving him this certain ancient horn. Um, that's you know like like a kind of a, a a relic and a an artifact of 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 Rohan. Well, except it says it was made by the dwarves. Yeah, made by the dwarves, but has been down through this line. But if you remember Gimli's response to basically discovering that Frodo had the Mithril, mm-hmm. uh, or if you remember back to the Silmarillion, where the dwarves made a necklace that then caused them to slaughter a bunch of elves because the elves considered it their heirloom. Like, it's not an insignificant thing to be like, oh yes, this heirloom of our people was made by a dwarf. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course now, Gimli, having gone through this uh, entire experience, is not you know, territorial in the way that dwarves mm-hmm. of, of, old, of old have been. <laughs> right. And so the, this this journey, still retracing the steps, continues on and moves now towards Helm's Deep. And what do we know must be seen at Helm's Deep uh, from our dwarf friend? Those beautiful yes. caves, because Legolas and him made that deal so long ago <laughs> that they made it out of this thing... Legolas was going to come see these amazing caves. Mm-hmm. And in turn, Gimli was going to go off and see, what was it, Fangorn? Yes. Yeah. So. And this episode is another episode that I love so much. Because remember, you know, when so when Gimli met Galadriel and he spoke so fairly of her. And uh, it was Celeborn, I believe, who, um, you know, co- remarks on that and saying... You know that a, a dwarf speaking so fairly is not a thing that is you know uh, that 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 is expected or in the norm, and so you know Legolas goes with Gimli to these glittering caves, and he basically remains silent. He can't find yeah. the words to you know to 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 do them justice. And, <laughs> and never before has a dwarf claimed a victory over an elf in a contest of yes, words. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. So he can't top Gimli's words about, about these glittering caves, which is, you know, not insignificant at all. And interesting to contrast with the fact that Gimli was not capable to speak of the paths of the dead. Mm-hmm. But Legolas was. Yeah. But after this, uh, they... Take the hobbits to Isengard. Mm-hmm. Guard, guard, guard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Ents, says, have busied themselves. They tore down the stone circle, and the land within was made into a garden filled with orchards and trees. Uh, and then... This, this said, yeah, this is, this is a great bit. In the midst of it yeah. all, there was a lake of clear water out of which the, t- the Tower of Orthanc rose. Um... What I really like to say, for the while the travelers sat where once the old gates of Isengard had stood, there were now two tall trees 
like sentinels at the beginning of a green bordered path. So interesting, two trees <laughs> hmm. replacing mm-hmm. two towers of a gate. Mm-hmm. Like yep. the towers of the teeth or maybe like the two tower. I don't know. It's just, you know, it's... yeah. Nice imagery that's, you know, yeah. You know, like I said at the beginning with that, you know, the, the, the metaphor of, you know, Aragorn saying that a tree will grow, you know, the best in its homeland. And I just, yeah, I, I love it when we have tree imagery. So Treebeard and Quickbeam come up to kind of greet them all. And uh, Treebeard is talking to everybody, but then he kind of looks at Gandalf and is most impressed at Gandalf, kind of because it's like, hey, old man, your cockamamie scheme actually worked. Uh, and they have a lovely conversation and Treebeard kind of is like oh yeah without the horns the uh, Battle Helm's Deep wouldn't have gone over as well would it have which (laughs) that's a throwback Um, but it also says that Treebeard like himself was honored to be in the presence of Celeborn and Gladriel and bowed to the Lord and Lady of Lorien so that's a nice touch. Lorien, you know, being enchanted. And of course, them also dealing with the fact that the power of Narya is that Galadriel's running? Or is it Ninya? Uh, Ninya sounds really familiar. I, I think it's Narya. Hold on. Uh, regardless, kind of acknowledging with, with a, a, a word of sadness that the, you know, the magical aura around Lorien will, will leave that forest. No, it's yeah. it's Ninja. Ninja, it's I Ninja business. Familiar. I remember I made a big point about that, like Ninja. It's Narya like and Ninja. But what's the last one? Because it doesn't start with an N. Because isn't Narya the one that Elrond has, and then Ninja is Galadriel's. And then the one I can't remember originally belonged to Kyrdon the shipwright, but was given in yeah. secret to a character who we still have not figured out yet. Yeah. Uh, Velia. Uh, okay. No. Velia. But anyway, Isengard seems to be coming back together and thriving. Um, but the big question is, what about Saruman? Well, yes. Before this, I mean, I mean, I'm skipping. Yeah, before this happens, Aragorn kind of does the same thing and says, "You know, forever the lands around Isengard shall belong to the Ents, Mm -hmm. Uh, basically, so long as you tend to the forest here." And then this is when Gandalf is like, "So tell me, tell me of Saruman." (laughs) And yeah, so Treebeard basically tells him, you know, well, you know, he's at first Treebeard is a little slippery and. (laughs) Yeah. Talks about what happens, but always uses the past tense. And Gandalf is yes. like, I observe that with great care you say dwelt was grew. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? And yeah, because basically what Treebeard says is that he would tell Saruman, you know, the news of what was going on. And he said that Saruman grew weary. And Oh, yeah. yeah. You don't say. Yeah. <laughs> so this whole past tense thing. Uh, so wait, is he dead? And Treebeard finally reveals, well, no, uh, seven days ago, we, we, we let Saruman and Wormtongue go. Because, Treebeard says, you should know that above all, I hate the caging of live things. 
Now yep. I'll not keep even such creatures as these caged beyond great need. A snake without fangs may crawl where he will. Yeah, but he talked you out of it, didn't he? Well, this kind of <laughs> well, reminds... Yeah. To me, this almost seems like a peril... A peril? A parallel of the moment when Frodo says the pity of Bilbo. Indeed, mm-hmm. yeah, very much. I mean, because again, Saruman... His power was seemingly connected to the ring as well, to a degree. Now that that's all gone, yeah, like, well, he's still. But, but powerful, Gandalf says but, this well, old snake might have one tooth left, which well, is and, the wickedness yeah. of his speech. Gandalf stripped Saruman of his power. He he stripped him of his authority in the White Council. That's true, and he stripped him of a blazer because he was getting too hot. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, that's that's true though that Gandalf, you know, worries, you know, Saruman could still have a trick up his sleeve because he still does have that, you know, persuasive power of his voice. Yeah. And um Then kind of Treebeard says, I made Saruman lock the tower when he left and gave me the key, so the tower is locked up and people will not be able to use it for evil. Um, Treebeard kind of says, you know, the forest will grow. Goes back to, we don't know where the Entwives are anymore, so. Well, because Aragorn, you know, makes a comment to him. He says he hopes that the Ents will prosper now and that they will be able to prosper now because they have all this land. And he says, you know, this valley is yours and you you can expand should you wish. And Treebeard says, you know, kind of, sadly doubts this because still there are no entings and they you know the ent wives are lost and uh also the ents don't really want to wander uh far out into areas where there are a lot of men so um this you know the ents much like the elves are kind of disappearing from this world pulling back and um it's uh, you know the big a new beginning of a, a new age of a, a a different age that is ruled by men mm-hmm. and uh at this moment it says you know kind of more people are breaking off from the party and mm-hmm. a particularly sad moment it says all save legolas said that they must now take their leave and depart either south or west Come, Gimli, said Legolas, now by Fangorn's leave, I'll visit the deep places of the Entwood and see such trees as are nowhere else to be found in Middle-earth. So, because I saw the caves with you, you have to come to the, you know, you have to come see the forest with me. Um, you know. And it's, it, yeah, this was their, you know, bargain that they had struck should they come out of this, uh, out of this battle alive, that's what they will do, and so yeah. now they're making good on that. And, and, and Aragorn... Uh, notes that at this moment this is like the ending of the Fellowship of the Ring. They may never meet up again. Right. But I hope you come and visit me. Also, Gimli, I hope your people come and give me the repairs you said they would. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That definitely needs to happen. And Gimli says, you know, I, I will do what I can and send word when I can. Um, And I just wanted to touch upon, you know, Gimli and Legolas are going to Fangorn. And do we recall um, one of Treebeard's many names? Fangorn. Exactly. Um, yep. And it, it, you know, Legolas even referred to it as the Entwood. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and in this sad moment, it, it kind of is true that the, 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 the ants are leaving the world. Um, they're dying. It is the die ant wood. No. Jeez. Wow. I'm impressed by that one, actually. I will give you that one. Wow. Uh, I mean, in Dutch, it's, oh. I think, more like Antwoord. But anyway. It's a D- well, I think it's Antwoord. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Still, jeez. Let's, let's have a, a, a South African rap group about the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I mean, they're all, all right. I mean, there's so many metal groups. So anyway. Uh, yeah. So it's the breaking of the fellowship. And, but not... You know, like it was at the it, end it, of the Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, in a different sense. Um, but yeah, it's like the end of summer camp. <laughs> well, honestly, like that—that's you know, as as shallow as it may seem, that's the kind of okay, feeling sorry, you the get, end of, like because the end is, of summer camp is, is not a shallow camp. experience when you're 15. <laughs> No, no, it is. We've all seen wet, hot American summer. <laughs> it's yeah. <laughs> I love going but, to town, if even just for an hour. but yeah you know Gimli says you know I fear that we shall not all be gathered together ever again Um, yeah you know and and while while they may in some capacity be able to 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 keep in touch with each other it's not the same it's the end of an era and uh, so then we get Treebeard's goodbye to Galadriel and Celeborn which is this you know like iconic iconic a passage that I love so much um, and Treebeard highlights on this idea that we've said of the world changing and says for the world is changing I feel it in the water I feel it in the earth and I smell it in the air I do not think we shall meet again now if you recall the Fellowship of the Ring movie mm-hmm. yeah I noticed this too I specifically highlighted it for yeah this. the world is changing I feel it in the water that is the passage of the Opening little bit that is narrated the prologue. by yes, that's what mm-hmm. opening bits are called. Thank you, Katie. Um, <laughs> it narrated by Galadriel, you know, in the movies for that purpose. So uh, mm-hmm. you you know it, it's a nice little interesting way to use the you know a snippet of the text in a different context, but that still kind of like honors and recognizes the uh, you know that it existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now. So our next goodbye is uh, between Treebeard and the two friends, the two little friends, Merry and Pippin. And uh, they will go to drink one last uh, ent draft with Treebeard. Who kind of jokes and around with them like, you've already grown a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep. They might drink it and they might become as tall as men. Um, <laughs> so... They leave, and it says the travelers now rode with more, more speed and made their way towards the Gap of Rohan. And Aragorn took leave of them close to the place where Pippin had looked into the Stone of Orthanc. Uh, and Pippin said, you know, I wish we had a stone of our own so we could see all of our friends. And Aragorn is like, well, only one remains because I don't think you should look in the Stone of Minas Tirith because, you know, uh, Denethor really abused that Palantir yeah. yeah, but then you what wouldn't I, like what you see. But then what I love it's Aragorn's kind of parting words to Pippin are: "Do not forget, Peregrine took that you were a knight of Gondor, and I do not release you from your service. You are going now on leave, mm-hmm. but I may recall you. And remember, dear friends of the Shire, that my realm lies also in the north, and I shall come there one day. 
Now, if we go back to concerning hobbits, one of the things we learn about the Shire is that it is, in fact, a protectorate of Gondor that was kind of given to the hobbits so long as they would maintain the roads in one bridge. Mm-hmm. So Aragorn's kind of like, you know, he's referencing this. I really like that. Mm-hmm. We're all united again. Everyone's coming back together. So come old together. <laughs> right old ties need to come back too. In Middle Earth. Um, so then Aragorn leaves, basically. Yeah, and it's a this is a, a moment of tears for our hobbits and for our readers that should be anyway. It's a very sad moment because Aragorn has been, yeah. you know, there has been a great friend and guide and protector of them since Bree. Mm, yeah. Uh, and Galadriel, yeah, no, sorry, Celeborn. Celeborn's parting words basically are like, you, uh, no, sorry, this was Galadriel, said basically, mm-hmm. you've come through darkness to find hope. Use your day as well. Uh, yeah. Kind of, if you remember the conversation last chapter that Aragorn had with Gandalf, of like, you know, how how can I see that all will be well be, you know, if I'm mortal and I will leave. And it's kind of the same thing. Like, Galadriel is saying, like, you need to use the time left. That is, and you need to be productive and wise and kind and, you know, set up your kingdom to survive when you're not here. Mm-hmm. And uh, Celeborn says, farewell, may your doom be other than mine and your treasure remain with you to the end. So remember, we had the discussion of doom kind of regarding Faramir and, you know, I, his, his doom regarding Frodo. So, you know, in this way, Celeborn is basically saying, may your doom be other than mine. You know, Celeborn lived, Celeborn does not die, but eventually kind of just had to leave his realm. And so rather, mm-hmm. he's saying to... You're, you, he, that I, I hope that your fate, that, you know, your path is... Uh, basically saying, I hope, I, I hope you die in your realm and you're surrounded mm-hmm. by prosperity and happiness yeah and then it says they parted uh and it was at sunset and they turned and looked back they saw the king of the west sitting upon his horse with his knights about him and the falling sun shone upon them and made all their harness gleam like red gold and the white mantle of aragorn was turned to a flame and aragorn took the green stone and held it up and there came a green fire from his hand that parting image of Aragorn, though. I, and I wanted to address... Awesome. I don't remember which part of the Silmarillion it is. I don't even remember which random early human it was. But remember there was like a green ring or a ring with a green stone that we spent a lot of time talking about in a Silmarillion episode? I, I have no idea. <laughs> Uh, one second while I look this up. Are you talking about the? Are you talking about the stone of Feanor? No, I don't think so. Hold on. No, dang it! This is why we edit. Aragorn. Oh, 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 oh,
So that's what this is. This is the ring of Barrett here. Right? Yes. Yeah. So originally it was given by to Bear here by Fenrod Felagund. Um and it says Barrier's hand and ring were taken by the orcs without killed him, or retrieved by his son Baron when he avenged his father. So basically this is Baron's ring. It's actually Baron's father's ring. Uh so just again with the whole Baron and Luthien Arwen Aragorn thing, like that is the parting image that we have of Aragorn, even if it isn't explicitly stated in the text, is one that connects him directly to Baron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so with this last parting image of Aragorn, we now move on to the Misty Mountains. And uh, as they continue along, they come across a certain old man in rags who looks like a beggar and um, who has, (laughs) you know, an unsightly uh, kind of groveling minion at his heels. And, of course, they recognize this man to be Saruman. Oh, how the great have fallen. <laughs> right. And uh, and Gandalf kind of asks him, what you doing? Where are you going? I'm trying to run away from a new age, basically. <laughs> yeah, because Saruman can't handle the change. He can't handle yeah, it. Yeah, he really can't. Uh-huh. And... Um, there's this great moment of mercy that so Galadriel and Gandalf kind of offer help to Saruman. They offer one last chance for him. Um, and which Saruman, of course, immediately shoots down. No, I don't trust Galadriel. You know, you, uh, she always favored Gandalf. And and uh, Saruman just unable to accept this, this new age and this new world. Um just snaps at them that you know his death means their death as well and you know things are not are never going to be the same and that they won't be able to go back across the sea and um it's all very doom and gloom yeah because he's a pessimistic old man (laughs) and he's even more so now than ever when he doesn't really have the same sort of power authority that he did previously Mm mm-hmm and it's even more pitiful because so the hobbits also are kind to him. Yeah. Even, you know, Mary even gives him the last of the <laughs> pipeweed that he had that he had taken from Isengard. And then, well, and then uh, Saruman says, well, that was my pipeweed to begin with. So you're just a thief returning what he stole. And then Mary's like, well, in that case, give me my leather pouch back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. My, that pouch is mine. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, specifically, though, Mary is like, yes, we took it from the flotsam of Isengard. Yeah, yep, yep. If you want to smoke it, you can't. It kind of never tasted fine after that. <laughs> Being waterlogged. So, uh, then, after this, they, uh, you know, they keep traveling, and... They come, they come finally to the gates of Moria next. Exactly. Uh, and it says... It's actually, it says here now for seven days they tarried for time was at hand that another, basically, they spent a week here because Caliborn and Galadriel yeah. would go one way. Or they're about to leave again. And everybody yeah. else would go the other way. It says, take the Dimril stair. Mm-hmm. So. 
Yeah, and so Celeborn and Galadriel are preparing to leave, and they're, you know, talking with Elrond and Galadriel, and we're reminded the, uh, of the fading of the of the power of the Three Rings, and um, we're, you know, this we're we're saying goodbye to these great elf characters, and also in the grander scheme, saying goodbye to the elves. And um, it says, you know, as Galadriel and Caliborn leave, it says Frodo knew that Galadriel had held aloft her ring in token of farewell. Mm-hmm. So um, Frodo is aware of Galadriel's ring because Frodo has the ability to kind of, having been a ring bearer, uh, Sam, however, doesn't know this and only really perceives the ring as part of her beauty. You know, it, he perceives just like a brining, a brining, she's turning into a pickle, uh, he, a bright shining kind of aura from it. And uh, upon seeing her leave, Sam was sad and said, you know, I wish I was going back to Lorien. But if we recall, what is the one thing that Sam really has brought back from Mount Doom? His Courage? I no, don't know. A <laughs> small box of dirt that Galadriel oh, gave him. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Of, mm-hmm. I thought you were being like more metaphorical. No, out of that everything sense. that they brought, the, out of everything that the two of them brought with them on this journey, basically the only things that have made it through the entire time uh, are the elven cloaks and then the gifts. Yeah. These these gifts from Galadriel. Yeah. And then uh, it says they went to Elrond. Or, I mean, they went to Rivendell. Literally nothing about passing the mountains, nothing about Moria, none of that. Just all skipped. So clearly nothing important happened. Um, no Balrogs this time. No giants throwing <laughs> stones at each other in a game of thunder. Literally just like, oh, yeah, we're at Rivendell now. It's a much more peaceful time. <laughs> yeah, very much. And uh, yeah. what do the hobbits do even before eating? They go to find Mr. Bilbo. Because it's, it's important. Yes. And... You know, there's like this kind of like ex. I know it's kind of like an expectation on everybody's part because Bilbo is is a very lively person and always the head of the party. When they met him again in Rivendell, remember he was like telling stories and doing all that stuff, and they're kind of like, "What's what's Bilbo up to?" And he's just he's well kind but, of asleep by the fire, like an old man. I mean, man. yeah, Bilbo wakes up and he's like, "Oh, you're back! Yay!" And he's like, and tomorrow's my birthday. And he's like, you know what? I'll be 129. And in one more year, if I'm spared, I shall equal the old took. I should like to be. Mm -hmm. We shall see. So Bilbo by this point is just kind of like old and a little senile and very just kind of happy and sleepy. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're back for my birthday. You know, Bilbo Bilbo has spent his time at Rivendell doing what he set out to do, which is to finish to finish his book or to work on his book at least. And that's what he's done in particular since they last uh, encountered him at Rivendell was based. He's been secluded in his room with his papers and, and pens. Now, if you remember at the end of the last chapter, when Gandalf's like, Oh yeah, the uh, thing that Aragorn wants to stay like that's a day Aragorn's looking forward to, but also Bilbo's looking forward to it. And then Bilbo even says, "Like, oh yeah, the wedding. I knew about it." He's like, "I'd waited for it for a long time. 
But I decided not to go because packing is such a bother and I just had so much to <laughs> do. Um, Hashtag truth, Bilbo. Right? Yeah. So <laughs> it says they basically, they spend a fortnight um, at Rivendell. But then this is really interesting. It says Frodo looked out of his window and saw that there had been a frost in the night and the cobwebs were like white nets. So we've always ever experienced Rivendell as a place that's kind of, I don't know, to me it's like a perpetual autumn almost, you yeah. know? Oh, yeah. Uh, but now we have like very specific winter imagery in such a way that we've, it's never reached into this realm before. So to me, like that's kind of an evidence of, of the, the power of... Physical manifestation of yeah, the uh, power of, of fading. The yeah. waning power of Vilya. Uh, and, and Frodo really feels that it's time to... Uh, to leave and finally return to the Shire. Yep. Yeah, and uh, so, you know, if they're preparing to go, and of course Gandalf is going to come with them too. And Bilbo, however, says he's going to stay in Rivendell. He's, he's too old to travel. And then um, it's, it's kind of a... a, a sweet and slightly comical moment that Bilbo uh, gives gives Frodo his mithril coat and and his sword sting of course forgetting that he had previously done yep. so uh, well, when, but, when Frodo set out before we get to the next item I want to briefly discuss Sam and Frodo because Frodo goes up to Sam basically and says like I feel like it's time to go home and I know you feel the same way and Sam says well Mr. Frodo we've been far and seen a deal and I don't think we found a place better than this. There's something of everything here, the Shire and the Golden Wood and Gondor and King's Houses and Inns and Meadows all mixed. And yet somehow Except... I feel we ought to be going soon. I'm worried about my gaffer, to tell you the truth. And then Frodo says, yes, Sam, something of everything except the sea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, that calling of the sea is rather intriguing. Um, no no uh yeah frodo being called by the sea is an intriguing notion and then frodo says gandalf will you come with us and gandalf says at least as far as brie i think i want to see butterbur again (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then this is when they go to bilbo to kind of say their farewells um yeah so he gives them a few things including he gives them these three books um, of like a collection of stories that and the title of these books being translations from the Elvish by B.B. So, um, you know, here we have like Im- implied within the text that um, these books uh Bilbo gives to Frodo or for or for him to hang on to and to complete. Yeah. Like reference reference text or something like that, you could almost say. Uh yeah, so when you delve into the kind of full legendarium, uh these mm-hmm. are referred to as the Red Book mm-hmm. or the Red Book of West March and yeah. are basically the canonical text of this time. So compiled by, uh, by Bilbo and, and, and then 
subsequently by Frodo. What's being implied in the text here is that, um, you know, The Hobbit is based on Bilbo's diary. The Lord of the Rings is based on Frodo's story. Yep. So, you know, previously we discussed kind of the who the narrator was or the identity of the narrator. Mm-hmm. And in looking back upon the text and looking, uh, you know, on the revelations we get about characters and from characters when Frodo was not present, you know, now, mm-hmm. now we know that Frodo kind of told their story and. Yeah. Or, you know, gathered, gathered their story from yeah. whatever sources he could. Um, a, you know, a lesser author would not even have thought of all of this. Yeah. But we are not dealing with a lesser author. Yeah. Of course not. And Bilbo, you know, gives a few other gifts as well. Uh, a bit of gold to Sam. Uh, that, that, that is like some of the last of that gold that, that from... Yeah. Yeah, that 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 was great from, from The Hobbit. Like, And basically mm-hmm. tells Sam to use it for his wedding. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. and to Mary and Pippin, Bilbo gives them some some good sound advice and some uh, rather nice pipes that were elf made. And then uh, Bilbo makes an interesting inquiry, asks uh, his dear nephew Frodo about a certain trinket that he uh, gave to him. Ask him about the ring, and Frodo just kind of you know uh, vaguely and sadly says, "Oh, I lost it, Bilbo dear. I got rid of it, you know." What a pity. I would like yeah. to have seen it again. Yeah, well, and yeah, and, and Bilbo remembers like, oh yeah, that is what you set out to do, isn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. but um but yeah, would have would have liked to have seen it again. No, Bilbo. No. <laughs> and uh we get another rendition of this song, which I which we've seen from The Hobbit. We've seen an, an, another version of it um, at, at the very beginning of The Lord of the Rings. And we see it now here, uh, Bilbo's song, The Road Goes Ever On and On. Um, and this, you know, this this great song that kind of has been the, the, the start and the catalyst of both of these kind of adventures and now bringing it full circle back to here. Yeah. Oh, and you know what happens as Bilbo kind of finishes singing this? He falls asleep. <laughs> My favorite part of this, though, this like kind of last conversation that Bilbo has with them, because, you know, they've been trying to tell the story to Bilbo, and he's kind of been sleeping through it and waking up, and they'll start again. And you know, My, my favorite moment is Bilbo kind of sharing uh, Sam's excitement that Sam got to see Oliphant's. Mhm. Mhm. Yep. And and so yeah, Bilbo keeps throughout this conversation like nodding off and Sam is concerned now because well, well Bilbo was supposed to tell our story. We were supposed to tell Bilbo our story and he would record it for us. And so this is now when Bilbo, you know, gives basically gives gives the diary to Frodo and says now it's yours. Now it's yours to complete. Um and and bring it back to me and, you know, I'll I'll go over it and we'll make sure it's all, you know, nicely tied up. And uh, 
Frodo does promise to come back, but you know, just at, at the very end of this chapter, when well, I love they're getting ready to leave, Frodo's rationale is, "I'll come back because there's a king who will repair the roads and keep them safe." Yeah, yeah. and then, yep. uh, as this yeah, happens, so- Elrond kind of pulls Frodo aside and says, "You know, yeah, don't worry about coming back because around this time, around Bilbo's birthday, um, I myself will come." to the Shire and bring him with me. Um, so that's no small thing. Elrond coming to the Shire and going in a certain direction. Uh, a west, west-ish, a, a, a west-ish kind of direction. A west, westerly leaning direction, yep. And it says, um, these words no one else heard and Frodo kept them to himself. Yep. <sighs> Chapter ends. Yeah, and so we've gone, you know, as I said at the, at the start, we've gone through this chapter back retracing the, the, the steps of the fellowship. We've seen how the world is changing, how the impact of, you know, the, the success and completion of this errand has um, made its mark on the world, uh, how it impacts the, the lands, how it impacts the people. It's just a nice um, kind of full circle bit of closure that we get in this in this chapter. Yeah. And there's this kind of this omnipresent error of melancholy. It's like a panopticon of melancholy. Yeah, yeah it is. So. I don't know that I have a favorite specific moment. There's so many just kind of endings in this chapter i like that with the exception of kind of parting with saruman none of them are like i said they're melancholy but none of them are outright sad yeah it's it's time to depart and that is part of life yeah it's uh there's you know i it's what i said as i was reading this i said uh what i tweeted about that this this whole uh, kind of ending bit, the denouement of Lord of the Rings, has always struck me as um, achingly beautiful, is what I think. And, you know, I've said bittersweet a couple of times, and that's true. You know, we this fading of this power and, and magic and beauty that we have come to love and that people have, you know, that our friend Gimli has spoken so beautifully of um, is ending. But we also have this great sense of renewal and, um, you know, like the, the, the beginning of a new age that's dawning with a, a good, strong uh, king who has good, strong ties to the people around him. So, yes, there's this air of melancholy, but it's also quite beautiful. And I think my favorite from this chapter is that parting image of Aragorn uh, that they have. And as, you know, they turn and uh, see this, like, gleaming of gold and Aragorn was turned to a flame, which, you know, the sword being reforged and named Andriel Flame of the West and Aragorn being lit with this, you know, sunset and all this glory. It's a great image. What was your favorite, Chase? I'm trying to refine something on <laughs> it because, 
Yeah. Uh, I, I, again, as John said, there are so many great moments in this chapter. It's kind of like every single part of this chapter was a high point. Uh, because, again, many partings is the appropriate title for it. Uh, but but the thing that really stood out to me is is a line that is said that I really held on to, um, and it's it's said by a character that we haven't got as much time with as I'd like in this book. But we, you know, whatever. It's just part of it. But it's a line from Treebeard, and if you follow me on Twitter, I tweeted this when I was on the subway and reading this section, which is, "Never is too long a word, even for me." This is <laughs> stated after. Um, kind of Aragorn talks with him about how like things are going to be protected and you'll never have to worry again of sorts something something along those lines and Treebeard just responds with never's too long a word for someone like me yeah um, that's I couldn't get past that that kind of was another moment where Tolkien felt like he was grabbing me and saying pay attention also another favorite of mine was the advice fro or uh, Bilbo gave to Merry and Pippin about if you don't stop growing up or if you never fully grew up, you're gonna find that clothes and hats are expensive. <laughs> <laughs> that was cute. I love Bilbo because he's a great character, and every time he's in the, he's in this book, it's just it's kind of odd, and I really like it. Bilbo I like his character; it's a very well defined character. Yeah, and Bilbo never loses his sharp wit. No, never. Which is one of his most endearing qualities, I think. Well, how about that? <laughs> yeah. I uh, only briefly want to say, not about the text, um, you know, external favorite thing. I saw Don't Think Twice, you know, Mike Birbiglia's new movie about oh, yeah. improv, kind of. It's yeah. not actually really a movie about improv. It's a movie about an improv team. And it uses that to explore success and jealousy and trying to be satisfied with life. It was really good. It was really, it was sad, kind of like Lord of the Rings. How I mean, how the end of this is sad, but it's not, yeah. it's not undeserved. You know, nobody is suffering anymore, at least, you know, it's, it's sad because things are ending, but you, you understand and you accept that. And, uh -huh. um, that's really what Don't Think Twice is about. And it was just a beautiful mm -hmm. movie. It was fun. Um, an amazing cast, you know. If you get the chance to see it, see it. There's a reason why it's 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it directed and written by by him as well? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's actually not really... I mean, he's a main character, but he's not like the main character, which I liked because Mike Verbigley is a little dopey. And you know he was the main character and sleepwalk with me and it was a little too autobiographical, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that's me. Yeah. Uh, my favorite thing from the week is so uh, there's a an app that I enjoy using when I have free time. Ha 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 ha. Zombies uh, run. No, not not that one. I've talked about that one before, oh, I think. Okay. No, I'm talking about Duolingo. Um, yeah. Which is a language learning app. Yeah. Um, and so they recently have a, uh, added a course for um, 
Hungarian for English speakers, and I'm super excited about that. What? And that's really? my favorite thing from the week. <laughs> I, I use uh, I'm using Duolingo right now for Spanish, uh, so that's interesting. Because I realized recently that I, I need to sharpen up my Spanish if I were to truly work in a kitchen. Um, so doing Hungarian. Hmm. Oh, uh, so is it my turn? Yep. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm again going to talk about culinary school just because it's literally like culinary school work. Culinary school work. I don't, that's well, basically all I'm doing right now. Don't. Cut me for this chase, but I really want an Arby's roast beef sandwich right now. <laughs> oh, don't. Yeah, don't. I don't. I, I've been eating some crap lately just because it's like I have no time. So I've barely got any time to cook outside of class. Um, but uh, our entire we basically in class, we have to wear chef's whites and chef whites jackets and hats, commissary caps and basically something that's like pajama pants and really ugly black non-slip shoes that um, actually someone dropped a knife in class a couple days ago and it if, if I wasn't wearing those shoes would it stab right through my shoe foot so uh, I'm very happy with those shoes but we all look like a bunch of like kind of baggy dumpy we all look like people working in the kitchen all the time and so what was interesting is we had a class last night about culinary management so it was all about front of house in a restaurant and so we all showed up to class uh, in street clothes. So for the very first time, my class all hung out together and we were in like commissary caps and we all just kind of hung out because <laughs> we all are so used to getting there early in the first place. So we just kind of hung out for like 30 minutes before and afterwards, just talking and hanging out. And we're just all like, man, we should like go like out to eat at some point together. It was just, it was just weird because we had like viewed each other as like even like it's not just like students. It's like we're working in a, in a kitchen together. So it's been like this big disconnect. And then suddenly we're like actually engaging each other as a, as like other people was very interesting and weird. Also the teacher asked like, or who was teaching this section was asking us questions about like why we come to culinary school, where we come from, what our last meals would be. And overwhelming. A lot of people in the class said macaroni and cheese. I said a garlic Giraldi's from Giraldi's <laughs> in Fayetteville, Arkansas, with a bottle of Da Vinci Chianti. And then when he asked me, "But what would you eat for di for dessert?" and I said, "A bottle of La Femme de Mode uh, beer," and he got a big laugh out of that. So, anyway, all right. Well, Katie, you want to play us out? Yes, so before we leave, we would like to once again give a thank you to our Patreon supporters from the bottom of our heart. Thank you so much to everyone who's able to uh, help support our uh, podcast with monetary donations to our Patreon account. We really do appreciate each and every one of you so much as it helps us to keep our project going. Uh, so thank you once again to Ryan Hepler, Muad Abdul Hamid, Kevin Reynolds, uh, Dana Victor, Jason Savage, Mike Williams, Anna Dunlany, Ji Ying Fua, Kyle Thompson, Michael Smith, Tariq, Ignatius Pendergraf, Devin Mann, Ariel Am, Adam Khan, Charlie, Ben Goldstein, Madison Roberts, Aaron Crawford, Benjamin John Macy, Avon McMaster, Jacob Verma, my dad, hi, thanks, <laughs> G3, uh, Brian Osborne, and Michael Laney. <laughs> All right, and join us next week. Four, chapter seven, Homeward Bound.
that music came into my head just then. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> from everyone. That movie. Thanks, everyone. I'm the cat from that movie. Uh, which one am I? You're probably am I the Shadow. Boxer? No, you're oh, Shadow. Oh, I'm Shadow. Okay, I'm Shadow. I am so chance. It's gonna hurt. It hurts. Uh, I'm John. I'm Katie. I'm Chase. We'll chance. Chase Chance. We'll see you next week. To poop to poop. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at talkingtolkien.com and you can send us an email to the professor at talkingtolkien.com. We do our best to respond to each email, so please let us know about your thoughts, theories, and themes you'd like us to discuss in the show. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook and Twitter, and we love hearing from you. If you're not already a subscriber, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We would particularly appreciate it if we would give us a rating on iTunes, as it really helps us to show up in searches and reach a new audience. We also have a Patreon page where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help our podcast grow. Through your generous support, we've been able to purchase many new pieces of equipment, helping us bring you a better sounding, more professional podcast. Nothing makes us more excited than a new pledge. And we greatly appreciate all the support we've received so far. 